Welcome back to another episode of the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. Corey Jason, joined by a full house today. Ben Mandel, John Pauline, Dylan Mel, all here with me to talk some baseball for episode 20. Let's get right into it. We have the newest member of the 2000 Hit Club, Freddie Freeman. He ripped an RBI double in the eighth inning against the Houston Astros. And he's really cementing himself as a guy who is uh, closing in on Hall of Fame candidacy. Territory's right there. I think he's just shy right now. Needs a little bit more to go over, but he's on the right track. And I'd be shocked if he doesn't get over that hump that he needs to to get into the Hall. Yeah, Corey, we were talking about um, guys with 3K hits a couple episodes ago. And you were giving us a little bit of trivia asking us who had done it and you know, obviously Freeman short of that mark by a thousand right now, but he was just one of the names that came to my head because of how good and consistent of a hitter he is. I wouldn't be surprised if he really got close to that mark, perhaps over it in his career. You know, he's a guy who can hit the ball. He's got length at first base. I could see him playing for a decent amount of time longer. Just a real generational talent there in Freddie Freeman. Here's why it's going to be really hard. When you're not a guy like Albert Pujols, you're not going to really get the chance to do it as much when you're older. I mean, a lot of people gave Pujols a chance or, you know, wanted to see Pujols have a chance. The Cardinals gave him a chance last year to try and get those home runs, and he he got there, right? But you you see a lot of these guys, their careers are ending so much earlier than they used to because it's just better to go with a cheaper more affordable option and see if maybe there's something uh there for the future now i'm not saying freddie freeman's gonna find himself unemployed anytime soon but in order for him to get to three thousand hits he's gonna have to play an awfully long time i don't think it's out of the possibility now with like the universal dh so i think like the universal dh is gonna extend a lot of players career like way past their prime and into the years when they probably should just retire so i mean i think with the universal dh now i think it's a higher probability that he does get to you know that 300 that 3k mark yeah john that's a good point the universal dh i honestly at this point put freeman's candidacy at above 50 percent chance to eventually get in and i'm not calling him a first ballot hall of famer but with 10 shots on the ballot and i fully expect him to stay on and not fall off after year one or two i think he eventually gets in and even if he doesn't He's definitely somebody the Veterans Committee will eventually look at and add in, but that's like 15, 20 years down the line. You need, you do need to be out of baseball five years before you're even on the ballot. So he doesn't seem like he's slowing down anytime soon. So we got time to discuss Freddie Freeman's candidacy, and let's see where those numbers end up when he decides to hang it up. But let me paint you guys a picture. Bottom of the eighth, 7-7 seven, seven game. Runners on second and third, two outs. Now, Ryan Stanek was in that situation. Dodgers, Astros. Stanek was pitching to Miguel Rojas. Delivers the pitch and balk. Runner scores from third. That ends up being the winning run. And uh, Dodgers win 8-7. What happened was Stanek went to go step off the mound. Umpire said they saw a little jerk motion called a balk. To me, that's inexcusable. There are certain things to me. I'm I'm very, like, rigid. When it comes to uh, umpires affecting games, 
if it's egregious, you don't get a second chance. You never should be allowed anywhere near a baseball field again. doesn't matter how good you are. There is no mistakes. You should always err on the course of leniency when it comes to stuff like this. The umpire should never be allowed in a major league stadium banned from, from baseball for life. But that's me. I'm a little... I'm a little crazy when it comes to punishments because I feel like the punishments never actually fit the crime. And that's what this is. This is a crime against baseball. And hopefully karma gets that umpire because it's just not right. Let the players affect the outcome. You do not need to be something that people know about afterwards. If this game was played without umpires, that's what people need to think of after the game. Why are, there were no umpires there. The game was played. You don't even know what was going on. But the fact that you're even talking about an umpire action is just not how you want the game to go. Yeah, Corey. I mean, I definitely disagree with you here in terms of the punishment for an umpire. A balk is one of those very obscure things that's really a case-by-case basis and up to discretion of the umpire. Is it a call that you like to see in a close game in the eighth inning? Not really. But if it happens, it's the rules. You know, if that umpire truly feels it was a balk, he should call it. He would have called it in the first inning. You got to call it in the eighth inning if that's what it is. Now, we could debate all day if it was, if it wasn't. Hopefully, the umpire had the best view in the house. That's where they're supposed to be standing. But, you know, it sucks that people could feel that an official, an umpire, changed the course of an event. But if it was a balk... In the umpire's eyes, I'm glad he called it. Dylan, I hope you know I'm putting the Super Bowl clip after and this clip just now, side by side, because you had a completely different argument when it came to your Eagles and calling a penalty in that spot. If it's a balk, it's a balk. Look, if the umpire thought it was a balk, yeah, you're right. He has to call it. I I agree with Corey, though, where I think it's, kind of more balks are always one of those things where if you think hey you know i barely saw it and the players aren't jumping up screaming about a balk then you're not going to call it because if you're not sure and the players aren't sitting there freaking out about it you really don't have any it probably wasn't a balk umpires they don't have the room for error they don't have a replay for most things so you know there is that issue but you know calling a balk you you they tell you, you better be 100% sure it's a balk if you're calling it. If you're not sure, don't call it. I mean, I have to just, you know, I know it's the baseball pod, but I have to acknowledge the shade that was thrown. Here's what I'll say in terms of the Super Bowl one. It was the only pass interference called in that game, and um, pass interference is called way more often than a balk. I'll leave it at that. But maybe uh, your speech there had a little bit of persuadement, but I just think in a 162-game regular season you know, that's the time that you call those things. I think it'd be a lot more egregious, especially I can only imagine in Corey's eyes if this was game seven of the World Series and this was called. We're just forgetting one major thing, though. Fox aren't very, you know, up to the, the umpire. There is a set rule. It's not like pass interference where something may, may not be. Even after looking at it, you're not sure. A balk, when you see it, you know it. And the balk that was called... And what the umpire saw was literally Stanek just stepping off the back of the mound completely legally. He's allowed to step off, but the umpire saw his body move and called a balk a little premature. And the whole motion that was the balk in itself 
was a completely legal step off. So that's why I'm so livid about it is because there was no buck. It wasn't like a maybe he did, maybe he didn't. It was no buck at all. That's just as it's the same type of call as if the pitcher threw a pitch completely fine and the umpire still decided to call a buck and for no reason. If he just threw a completely regular pitch and it was called a buck, that's just as bad as taking a step off the mound and throwing a buck because there is no extra motion. Two completely legal things. He didn't move his shoulders. He didn't quick pitch and the hands never came set. He didn't get a pitch clock violation. He didn't do any of these things that actually are a balk. He stepped off and the umpire called it too early. And you can't have that. You're a professional umpire. You should know what a balk is and you should know what players do. And you should certainly know that nobody paid to see you there. And that's why you need one of the you need a harsh punishment because umpires they get a lot of flack, but when it's something as stupid as this, that they should know better because there is no gray area. A balk is a balk. There is no maybe there is, maybe there isn't because there's defined rules. Even to the angle, when a lefty pitcher is picking off at first base, you have that 45 degree angle. So when it's so specific like that, there is no excuse to call a balk that isn't actually a balk, especially when the pitcher was just stepping off. I just watched the video of of him calling the balk and what the umpire said was a balk. There he there was a little stutter in his leg right before he stepped off because he's, he's stepping off like looked like his leg jittered. Balk is called on bit. a pitch though. That's the yeah, issue. He it was jittered a little bit and I think the ump got a little too excited for it and just called it immediately when he saw a little jitter, and he just jumped the gun on it and. Frankly, like there needs to be some repercussion for this for the umps. Like you can't just be, you know, jumping calls and making calls that can, you know, impact and decide games and stuff. And I feel like there is never a punishment. It just feels like you can be bad at your job and you know everyone you just move on with it. And it just needs to be more, you know, more punishments with this because you just you can't jump a call like that that impacts the game so much. Well, let's move on before I give myself an aneurysm. The Angels, they defeated the Rockies 25-1. to And the Angels, three pitches, three homers, Trout, Jury, and Thice. And that was all off of Chase Anderson. Did you know the last time this happened was the Yankees in 2020 where Gardner, DJ, and Voigt all hit three home runs in a row off of three consecutive pitches off of Chase Anderson of the Blue Jays? So imagine doing something that seems so rare that never happens and then doing it twice in your career where nobody else has done it in between years apart. Also in that game, Shohei Otani went one for seven, not my MVP. Aaron judge has a torn ligament in his toe. Hopefully that doesn't sign light him for too long. I'm not too worried about this, but Dylan, I know you're the, the other fellow Yankee fan. Does it worry you a little bit? It doesn't worry me per se. We'll get to a little bit more Yankee talk later, but the way that they've been playing, even without Aaron Judge, you know, you know, we mentioned there's a reason he's the MVP currently. The team struggles without him for sure, but they're holding their own and, you know, uh, treading water. However, what concerns me is that the way that the Yankees handled this, they were so quiet with it, said it was a sprain, said he'd be back, and lo and behold, we find out 
it's a tear now. And there was a quote that came out today, I believe it was from John Heyman, where it said Aaron Judge expects to return this season. I mean, two weeks ago, we were talking about if he was going to be back in two weeks. Now it's this season. So the reporting on this is what has me very concerned because there's just no consistency. And this isn't new for the Yankees. They were inconsistent with Severino years back, inconsistent with Rodon this year. It's like, why no transparency here? If he's got a tear, he's got a tear. He wasn't going to be back in two weeks anyways. What are you changing? George Springer moved into second all-time for leadoff home runs. He now has 55. And the Diamondbacks are going through what the uh, the Padres went through with Valley Sports and the Diamond Sports Network. Their games are going to be probably taken over, be taken over by MLB, just like the Padres. Diamond Sports, the parent company of Valley Sports, has asked a judge to cut off the funding and kind of tear up the contract they have. Their next payment to the Diamondbacks was due on July 1st. That's never going to be made. And quite frankly, I do think somebody needs to go to jail. How do you run a company $8 billion into debt? Justin Verlander was issued an automatic ball for throwing a warm-up pitch with 27 seconds on the pitch clock. And to me, I just don't understand why we're doing this. This is one of the main reasons why I don't think there should be a clock. If a pitcher thinks he needs another warm-up pitch, you let him have it. That's how you stop injury. If he doesn't think he's warm, why force him to pitch in a game if he just needs a couple more to loosen up an arm? A couple pitches does matter. That's not what the pitch clock was made for. And to assess a pitcher a ball for that just is ridiculous and just an indictment on the whole system. No, I disagree. Justin Verlander's been terrorizing the Yankees for far too long. He deserves whatever. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Yeah, this was just a ridiculous call here. I mean, 27 seconds on the pitch clock. It's not even like we were nearing anything close to an at-bat. And like you said, I mean, at this point, we're getting so stingy with the rule that it's going to lead to injury. And it's, you know... I hate to say this because I was somebody who was a proponent of the pitch clock, and we knew that there were going to be little hiccups throughout the season, but more and more, Corey, you're just looking right at this should have never even been a thing. Look, I think when you look at what Major League Baseball has done and their track record lately with the sticky stuff, they're not doing things to help the player's safety. And that's really been a big gripe for pitchers, especially because it's keeping them from getting paid. And I don't think that there's anything going on there, but Hey, when you, you know, you got a guy like Verlander, he's up there in age. He knows his body. He knows how many warm up pitches he needs. And it's not like he is stalling the game. Get your thing, get, get it together. Major league baseball. Come on. Now let's get into some all-star talk. All-star game voting phase two for the all-star game in Seattle has started. And what we're going to do is I'm going to give you guys each position and the two uh, AL and NL options. And you're going to give me who you think should be that position for the all-star game. Mind you, the ALDH is already Shohei Otani. He was the top AL vote getter. So he's locked in. And one of the outfield starting spots is Ronald Acuna Jr. He's locked in as the NL top vote getter. So let's get right there. For catcher, 
the AL side, you got Adley Rutschman of the Orioles and Jonah Heim of the Rangers. Who do you guys think should be the starting catcher for the AL? Yeah, I'll lead us off here. I'm going to go Jonah Heim. Um, I think the only argument for Adley would perhaps be defense, but in every offensive category, Jonah Heim has been the more consistent player this year. I think Adley's going to have a ton of all-star selections in his future, but I just don't think he should be the all-star starting catcher this season. I, I think I'm going to have to agree with Dylan on this. I mean, I really like Adley Rutschman. I mean, he was a must-have for me on my fantasy team this year, and he's been playing good most of the year. It's just, but, you know, Himes hasn't beaten all the offensive categories, and I think, you know, the All-Star game is probably more about your offense than defense. So, I mean, Adley Wrench will probably make the All-Star. He'll have plenty in the future, but I just, not this year. I'm going with Rushman. I think Jonah Heim has quietly had a very, very strong season, especially in May and June. But Rushman's been, he's just a guy, and he is a more exciting young player for baseball. That's who you need to see in the All-Star game. And on the NL side, we got Murphy of the Braves and Will Smith of the Dodgers. Which one do you guys think? Yeah, I got to go Sean Murphy here, and it's not just because he's on my fantasy baseball team, although that does help. I mean, he's just having a monster offensive season. As soon as you get out of Oakland, you start performing 290 average, 12 homers, 43 RBIs. Dude's been an absolute beast, and, you know, you could really go either way here, but the Braves have been the better team. Rutschman's been a huge – I'm sorry, not Rutschman. Murphy's been a huge contributor to that, so he's got my vote. I think I like I think I want to see Will Smith because just just based off because I don't like the Braves and I want to I just you know I'd rather see Will Smith in it than a than a Braves player honestly. I hate the Braves. Hate 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 the Braves. So Will Smith. All right, Will Smith. Now on first base side, you got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of Toronto versus Yandy Diaz of the Rays. But then the NL side, you got. Freddie Freeman of the Dodgers or Matt Olson of the Braves. Another Dodger Braves matchup. I wonder if this is going to go the same way. Yeah, so I'll start off in the AL side of things. I'm not really sure why Vladdy's here over Josh Naylor. I mean, we could have that argument a different day, but I'm going to go with Yandy Diaz. I mean, a 316 batting average. Guy's been an absolute beast this season. And in the NL side, you know, Maybe it's a little biased here, but I'm going Freddie Freeman. I prefer him as a player. He's a bigger star. The 317 batting average is a huge jump over Matt Olson's 236 average. Um, and Freeman, he's kind of got that legacy vote. You know, if it's a close race, you got to go with the bigger star, the guy who's just been the better career player. So for me, I'm going Freeman. For Freyl, I got to go with Yandy Diaz. He's just been having a absolute monster year, and he just seems like he just can't stop hitting. Like not even a close, not even a close there for me on that one. Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson for National League, a little closer. I have both these guys on my fantasy team. Both have been having great years, but I think Freeman's just been having a better one. I mean, he has I think he has a grand slam on the year already. Just got two K hits. I think it's clear cut choice. Freeman deserves to be in the all-star team. Yandy Diaz definitely should be the guy. But when you look at what Vlad Guerrero has done this season, it's not like he doesn't deserve to be here. I mean, look at look at his stats, right? I mean, especially recently, he's been doing fairly well. He's got 49 RBIs. The average is there at 284. You know, 
Maybe the home runs aren't what you'd expect, but 11 home runs, that's still not bad. He's on pace to have a good number. You know, and the league wants to see a guy like Vladdy. At the same time, with the fan vote, who knows where that can go. But in the National League side, Matt Olson is really one of those guys who's like a Joey Gallo, where he's one of those three true outcomes. His defense overpowers a lot of that, but his average is always going to be low. So I'm going to go with Freddie Freeman still just because I don't like those three true outcome guys. So I'm going with Freeman and I'm going with Yandy Diaz. Awesome. Now getting into second base, we're starting to see a trend here. We're going to start to see a Blue Jay Ranger trend. Marcus Simeon for the Rangers or Whit Merrifield for the Blue Jays. I personally don't think Whit Merrifield's very deserving. The Blue Jays fans just love to stuff the ballot like the Royals did a few years ago. And on the NL side, you got Luis Arias of the Marlins versus Ozzy Albies of the Braves. Let me hear what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, I'll keep this quick. I don't think that there's much debate. Personally, I'm going Simeon and Arias. I mean, Simeon's got 25 more RBIs than Merrifield, and their batting averages are close. Not sure how you could argue there. Simeon's also a great defender. And then when you look at Arias, I mean, he might bat 400 this season. Albies is having a good, solid year, but you got to reward the guy that's coming close to batting 400. You can argue that Arias is the spark plug of that Miami lineup and a Miami lineup that's as good as it's been in years, really, since they had Yelich and Stanton in the lineup together. So Arias has been a huge part of that. Definitely, he deserves it over Albies. I know Albies is one of those guys. He's a name, but it's it's Arias' spot to lose, in my opinion. On the American League side, I couldn't agree with you more, Dylan. It's been a nice bounce back here for Whit Merrifield, but really, Simeon's the better player, and he's having a much better season, especially with some of the injuries that Texas has had to deal with. Simeon's been a consistent guy there all year. I think I'm going to have to go with Simeon, too, and Arias also, I think, you know, just both the clear-cut better choice. Now, moving to third base, another Rangers-Blue Jays battle. Josh Jung for the Rangers or Matt Chapman for the Blue Jays. NL side, you got Nolan Arenado of the Cardinals or Austin Riley of the Braves. Yeah, and I swear this isn't any Blue Jays hate coming from me because I'm a Yankees fan. But again, in every major statistical offensive category, Josh Young clears Matt Chapman. And you can argue defense on the side of Chapman. And does he have a little bit more star power? Sure. But those numbers are undeniable for Young. And then when you look at the NL side of things, Arenado versus Riley. Arenado's just a tick better than Riley in every offensive category. And he's the best defensive third baseman of our lifetime, perhaps of all time. So I'm giving the edge to Arenado. Yeah, for me, I'm going with uh, Matt Chapman just because I really just love watching his defense. His defense is that important to me. I know war is one of those stats that a lot of people don't like to look at, but Matt Chapman's war is right around three. Josh Young is at a 2-2, and, you know, yeah, Josh Young has been great and all, but Matt Chapman, he's not that far off. He's five less home runs. The average is a little bit lower. The RBIs are lower, but his defensive run saved, are up, it's there. And what Matt Chapman brings defensively is all-star caliber. And that's why I like last year when we got to see um, Trevino from the Yankees get the nod behind the dish because he may not have been the best offensive catcher, but he was hands down the best defensive catcher. And defense does mean something in this game. Now, on the National League side of things, 
I'm I I really like Austin Riley honestly. I think he's a phenomenal player and things really started to click for him about halfway through the 2021 season and really he's just grown into one of the best all-around hitters in all of baseball. I think it's been a bit of an off year for Arenado and he doesn't deserve to just get in every year. I do find it funny, Ben, that you were all defense is important, and that's why you're going Matt Chapman, too. Yeah, Arenado doesn't need it. Let's go Austin Riley. Well, but that's the thing, though. Chapman and Young's offensive numbers, they're they're similar enough. Austin Riley, at the same time, his offense, I think, is that much better than Arenado's this year. He is a looming presence. I don't fear Arenado the way I fear Austin Riley. Well, for my picks, I think I'm going to go with – I'm going to have to go with Jung, just seeing he's just better offensive stats. And then between Arenado and Riley, I'm kind of torn here between the both of them because they're both great third basemen. But I think I'm going to have to go with Arenado, just beats him out, just beats Riley out a little bit for me. Now the shortstop battle. Look at it again. Another Blue Jays-Rangers battle. Bo Bichette for Toronto or Corey Seager for the Rangers – and then on the NL side, Orlando Arcia of the Braves or Francisco Lindor of your New York Mets, Ben. Who's it going to be, guys? Yeah, so I'll start in the NL. Uh, I'm going to go with Orlando Arcia here. I mean, a 317 average compared to Lindor's 221. I get it, Lindor's the big star, but Arcia's having the better season. And I have a little bit of a gripe with the AL shortstop vote. I get it that Corey Seager is a good player, but 46 games played this year and Wander Franco isn't even on the ballot. Are you kidding me? I mean, I'm going Bo Bichette, 318 average, played 78 games in 856 OPS. But to me, Wander Franco with his four war should be on this ballot over Corey Seager every single day. I don't know if it's just everything's bigger in Texas, so they get more votes and push Seager in there, but I'm going Bichette. I think they did not give the Rays enough respect here. Uh, I do agree with you. I think Wander Franco certainly should be in the conversation over a guy like Seager who hasn't had the games. Um, The National League, you really must just be – it's just a weak shortstop crop this year. I know Arcia has got the average. Lindor's average has been atrocious. But one thing you can say about Lindor is he is still hitting home runs and he is still getting RBIs. He's got 52 RBIs, 15 home runs, and the defense has been there. Uh, You know, I'm going to go with Lindor just because the war is the same, and that's with Arcia having a better average. Lindor's doing everything else better, so I'm going with Lindor. Over in the American League, again, uh, like Dylan said, Wander Franco honestly would have had my pick had he been the guy nominated. So instead, I'm going Bo Bichette because although Corey Seager is a tremendous player, I think it's been Simeon who's carrying the group, especially when Seager has been out. I think for my picks, I'm going to go with Bo Bichette just because I feel like Seager may not be fully deserving of it for this, you know, this year, maybe next year if he keeps it up has the games, but Boba Shed, I just feel like, you know, has the star power and stuff and he deserves it. And for shortstop for the national league, I think it's just clear for me, Arcia. I just don't think, I don't just don't think uh, Lindor has the stats to be considered for me for all. Now let's go outfield. And this is going to be a, a little bigger of a race on the American league side. We're going to start it off there. You're going to pick three of the six names. All right. So you're going to pick between judge, of the Yankees, Trout of the Angels, 
Rosarena of the Rays, Jordan Alvarez of the Astros, Kevin Kiermeyer of the Blue Jays, or Adolis Garcia of the Rangers. And again, remember, this is just going over the starters. Other other guys named here will probably make the team regardless, but this is just for the three outfield starters on the American League side. Yeah, so for me, you know, you can call it bias if you want. The games played is a bit concerning. We'll see if he's even available come the All-Star break, but Aaron Judge has to make the ballot. All, I mean, MVP, reigning MVP, he's got an OPS over 1,000 right now. This guy's been an absolute beast this season when he's on the field. He gets one of my votes, clear as day. As well, I'm going to give one to Randy or Rosarena. Him and Wander Franco have really sparked this Tampa Bay's run. They have the best record in baseball, and in a large part, that's due to a Rosarena. Now, when it comes down to this last spot, you know, there's a real debate to be had between Jordan Alvarez and Mike Trout, I truly believe. But in fewer games, in a lot fewer games played, Jordan's numbers are really close to Trout. If I get to see Jordan in the All-Star game, that's who I want to see. That's who'd be getting my last vote. Yeah, for me, I'm similar. I don't think the games played is that it's not influencing me that much for Judge because, look, if he missed the first few weeks in April – we wouldn't be talking about it. Now, yes, availability may not be there, but he still is deserving of it with the first half he's had. I think Mike Trout has been great. Really, all of these names. Uh, love Kiermaier's defense, but when it comes to outfielders, it's not it's not necessarily what they're going for. They're going for offense. You know, you want to see Judge. You want to see Trout. You want to see a Rosarena. You want to see Alvarez. I know Adolis Garcia's had a great season, too, not to knock that. If I'm picking off the three, I'm going Judge, Trout, or Rosarena, but Jordan Alvarez is a really, really close fourth and knocking on the door with a, with a Rosarena. Obviously, him and Judge can flip-flop as well. I think for me, for American League, I'm going to have to go Judge, even though he's been hurt kind of he's been hurt a lot of time this year and hasn't played a lot of games. Still got to go with Judge. Just an absolute just monster of a player offensively and defensively. If he's healthy and plays, you want to see him in the all-star game. And I think I'm going to go with a Rosarena. And even though Trout, you know, hasn't been, maybe been doing that great this year, I got to go with Trout again, just because he's fun to watch. All right. Judge Trout, Rosarena and Jordan getting votes onto the national league side with Acuna being a lock. I'm going to give you guys four names, the four names on the ballot. You have to pick two of the four. So that's Mookie Betts of the Dodgers, Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. of the Diamondbacks, or Michael Harris II of the Braves. All right, give me two of these four to pair with Acuna. Yeah, well, going with Acuna, I'm going Corbin Carroll and Mookie Betts. I think Lourdes Gurriel has had a great year. Michael Harris, not so much. And, you know, look, with Acuna, I'm definitely confident rocking with Mookie Betts out there and right slide Acuna to left or, you know, let Corbin Carroll rock out in center. I don't even care. I think it would just be fun to see those three guys rock, especially with the seasons that they're all having. And, you know, Mookie Betts, especially defensively, he's been the heart and soul of that Dodger team. And the only reason why they've been able to pick up any kind of traction this season. I couldn't agree with you more, Ben. Took the words right out of my mouth. I'll as well be going Mookie Betts and Corbin Carroll for the NL outfield. I think I'm also going to go Mookie Betts and Corbin Carroll for the outfield, but I'm kind of surprised Nick Castellanos didn't make the cut. I mean, he's batting 311, 44 RBIs this year, and it's just I just feel like he kind of got slided there. 
Yeah, Philly fans should have done their job and voted him in. On to DH. Otani's the lock at the ALDH, so no conversation to be had there. On the NL side, though, J.D. Martinez of the Dodgers or Bryce Harper of the Phillies? Who's it going to be? Bryce Harper, easy. Bryce Harper every time, all day, every day, every year. Bryce Harper. Now, I'm actually going to go J.D. Martinez, even though I believe Bryce Harper is the better player and would be the better fit in the lineup. And the reason for that is the game's played. J.D. Martinez is a full season so far, and Bryce Harper came back not too long ago. So I am going to I am gonna say it's been quite a bit of time for Harper. Uh, he would really have to uh, – I know that's not how it works, but in order for me to think he's all-star caliber, he would have to hit the cover off the ball for the next few weeks. Yeah, I'm at a real tear here because – Personally, I would just rather see Bryce Harper out there, you know, All-Star Weekend, bigger star. But in good confidence, I can't give him the vote. He just hasn't played enough games. And when you look at the numbers on this sheet, I mean, J.D. Martinez has 16 homers to Bryce Harper's three, 48 RBIs to Bryce Harper's 17. And yes, that's because he didn't play enough games. But how can you not reward a guy like J.D. Martinez who had a change of scenery, older in age, taking on that DH spot in L.A.? And having a really, really solid year, he's got to get my vote for this. Now that that's all said and done, let me run through what the AL and NL lineups are. On the National League side, catching Will Smith, first base Freddie Freeman, second base Luis Sarayas, third base Nolan Arenado, shortstop Orlando Arcia, outfield Acuna, Betts, and Carroll, DHing J.D. Martinez. That's based on you guys' votes. On the American League side, catching Jonah Heim. First base, Yandy Diaz. Second base, Marcus Simeon. Third base, Josh Jung. Shortstop, Bo Bichette. Outfield, Judge, Trout, and Rosa Reina. DH, Otani, who was the lock. And honestly, the only place I really disagreed with you guys was I think Seeger over Bichette. And I also would have voted Murphy over Will Smith, but that's just me. Everywhere else... I'm pretty on par with you guys. It's a pretty good lineup for both sides. I'm not sure who's going to take it, although my bias does say the AL. Obviously, pitchers and relievers, those are player votes, and the commissioner's office will assign them. But I do think that that's how it should be. Fan vote doesn't lead to the best or most deserving lineups. Now let's get into our favorite segment, studs and duds. I'm going to start it off. My stud this week, Marlins starting pitcher, Yuri Perez. 1-0 in 12 innings. He gave up seven hits with one walk, but 18 strikeouts, getting 55 fantasy points over the last week. Noah Davis, the Rocky starting pitcher, is my dud of the week. 0-1 in seven innings pitched, 16 hits, 14 earned runs, five walks, four strikeouts. And uh, he got option to triple-A. So not not a very good uh, week for him. How about you guys? Who's your stud and who's your dud? Yeah, Corey, we were on the same wavelength this week because my stud, a fellow Miami Marlin, Luis Arias, dude was batting 500 this week. You know, he's batting 399 on the season right now. So he's going to hover around that 400 mark. Hopefully he can get it done. And my dud... Chase Anderson, Rockies pitcher, gave up nine earned runs in two and two-thirds inning. He was the pitcher who started the game for the Rockies that they lost 25-1. to 
that's about all you need to know. Yeah, for me, my stud, I I decided to go over to Ryan Presley, the closer for the Astros. Whale of a week, only two saves, but that's only because of the opportunities he was given. This guy went out last week. He threw four innings. He did pick up a win. He also had two saves, only one walk, zero hits, four strikeouts in those four innings. Great week for the Astros closer. My dud, Bobby Miller, the young pitcher for the Dodgers, who four starts into his career, looked like maybe he was going to be the rookie of the year over in the National League. Not so fast. A couple of rough starts in this past week. Only four innings. First four innings were okay, but the fifth inning he couldn't get out of. Ended up giving up ten hits, six earned runs, three walks, only three strikeouts. Very, very rough outing. Welcome to the show, Bobby Miller. My stud this week is a Cincinnati Red rookie, Ellie De La Cruz. He had absolutely monster week last week. 13 hits, two home runs, six RBIs, two stolen bases, batted fourth, 33, and hit for the cycle, which you do not see all the time. And I actually had him benched in our fantasy league when he hit the cycle, which so I was very unhappy, but, you know, still has great upside. And I think he'll probably be a stud in the future. Again, now for my dud, someone who was my stud at the very start of the season, Adley Rutschman is now a dud. He This week, he had three hits. He hit one home run for three RBIs, but he only batted 111, which are just absolutely just horrendous and just not, you know, doesn't even come close to what he can do. Now let's get into our rankings questions and a little talk about our teams. Ben, I'm going to start it off with you. How come you didn't rank the Reds? Why did you rank the Yankees? And let's talk a little June Swoon New York Mets. I'll start with the Mets because they're the team I have the least amount to say about. My notes actually have just one word. Suck. They suck. And that's that with the Mets. Now, over to the Reds. The reason why the Reds aren't in my top 10 this week There's 12 teams with more wins than them in Major League Baseball. So right off the bat, it's not like I'm sitting here snubbing a team. Yeah, you know what? They're hot right now. Give me another week. I know they're atop the NL Central, the worst division in baseball, which we have all said many times. We've talked about them getting hot. We've talked about the spark that Ellie De La Cruz is bringing. They're not quite a top 10 team yet. I truly believe there are 10, maybe even 11 or 12 teams better than the Cincinnati Reds. Now for the Yankees, they're still a playoff team. Rodon is coming back and Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole. The pitching is not a problem for this team. They have the best bullpen in baseball. This is a great team in New York still. Second wild card spot is currently occupied by them. We saw in the National League last year, it's not important if you win the division and even get that bye week because we've seen teams go and make that run before now this past season in just the first year it was instituted. It's not out of the question. You just got to get in. And you know what? The Yankees, they're still a playoff team. They're still a top 10 team in Major League Baseball, in my opinion, whether Aaron Judge is in the lineup or not. Obviously, it takes a hit, but the pitching staff is still there, and they still have talent. All right, Dylan, moving to you. Why would you have the Braves at one and not Tampa? Why did you rank the Yankees? And honestly, the Yankees, what's going on? Because they seem to be dead in the water and a couple series wins now, especially against the Rangers. Are things starting to look up? 
They have six of their next eight series against teams under 500, and four of those eight are against teams in last place. What could we see over the next month from them? Yeah, so starting off with the Braves over the Rays, you know, this was only a matter of time for me, and this is something that I've done quite often on the show. Sometimes it's come back to bite me, other times it hasn't. But I like to project where things are going to shake out. I'm a guy who, in his rankings, he likes to call his shot. Over their last 10 games, the Atlanta Braves are 9-1, and one, while the Tampa Bay Rays are 5-5. Five and five. On the season as a whole, the Rays have better numbers. But I think the Braves are catching steam and going to catch them. They have a better offense, in my opinion, although the run score doesn't support that at this moment. I think that Acuna is by far the better player on any of those teams. He's my favorite twin NL MVP right now. And I think that the Braves are going to be looked at as the better team than the Rays come season's end. Hell, I'm pretty sure they're World Series favorites right now. And as for the Yankees, listen, Corey, I know that you're pessimistic and I know that you hate to see our Yankees doing so bad. But this team hasn't been all there, all healthy once this season. And in the best division in baseball, they have a winning record. 43 and 35. They are currently in the wild card, as Ben said. They have a plus 23 run differential, which is decent, not great. But again, I'm going to reiterate some of Ben's points. Rodon should be coming back, so the Yankees will have their top of their rotation set. Clark Schmidt has been excellent. The Yankees haven't given him runs, but he's been excellent when he's out there, kind of Jordan Montgomery esque. As well, this Yankees team has the best bullpen by ERA this season, and they haven't had their lineup healthy together. Once Aaron Judge comes back, like you mentioned, some easier opponents coming up for this team. I expect that the Yankees will be in most people's top 10 rankings very soon. Now, John, for you, why Toronto at six? Why did you put Miami over the Diamondbacks? And how's it going in Philly? Are things looking up, or are they kind of falling apart down there? Well, let's start off with Toronto at six. I mean, honestly, for me, after rank number four, after you get out of the top four teams, to me, it almost turns into a just a toss-up for me on just, you know, kind of who's hot or who's playing better, you know, that week. Because it just seems like there's a lot of teams that I feel like are kind of even in my eyes. I mean, I think Toronto has been, I mean, they've been playing, I think, pretty good lately. I mean, they did lose that series to the, you know, the Rangers, you know, like a couple weeks back. But, I mean, they they won the series against the Marlins and, you know, won the series against the Athletics as they should. I mean, I don't think they're playing bad ball. And I think they're, I, I think they're a good team. And I think if they were in any other division besides the AL East, I think they'd be in, they'd be in first place, honestly, because they're, they're playing really good, playing really good ball. It's just... I think, and for the Marlins and over Arizona, I just think the Marlins have been hotter than Arizona lately. I think Arizona, Arizona kind of, you know, cooled off a little bit the past couple of weeks. I mean, and I think the Marlins have just been kind of going strong still. I mean, they're, they're hidden. I mean, Louis Rice has been just absolutely insane. I mean, Dylan had him as his stud, of, you know, stud for the week. I mean, he's batting over 500. I mean, I just think the Marlins are, you know, just hotter right now they're hotter than the diamondbacks and like i said to me it's kind of like a toss-up after four for me for like you know five six seven you know and i feel like you can kind of put them almost mix match them in any order now for the phillies i mean they were doing really really good last week like enough that i even snuck them into my top 10 at 10 last week but you know this guy to take them off they kind of 
ran into a roadblock with the Braves there and just couldn't get it done. Like they're starting, you know, it looks like they're starting to, you know, cool off now. And, but they did win the series against the Mets, which is nice. I don't know if they deserve that series win because I mean that the last game, I mean, the Mets were just killing the Phillies. They were hitting all over the place until that eighth inning where the mess just kind of fell apart and there was a throwing error that got the throwing error that got the bases loaded, then a walk, then they walked in a run, then they hit by a pitch that walked in and that got another run in and another hit by a pitch that got another run in and ultimately put the Phillies in the lead and let them win. So, I mean, I don't think they really deserve the, I don't know if they really deserve that series win. I mean, but they got the win, so I'll, you know, but they got it, so I'll take it. Now, I mean, we'll see if they could, you know, win the series against the Cubs and, you know, hopefully win a series against the Nationals coming up next and, you know, kind of bounce back and win games. I mean, I'm not too worried, you know. Braves tough team. The Mets always seem to have the Phillies number. Is like always seem to have the Phillies number. I mean, in almost so we'll see. I don't think it's time to panic. I think they're still going to go strong. I think they just kind of hit a little roadblock there. But I don't think it's any time to panic at all, and I think they'll keep winning. All right, let's get into our weekly series highlight to finish things off. For me, Cincinnati at Baltimore is the one I really want to talk about because you got Ellie De La Cruz, interleague matchup. The Orioles are a young team. They're playing still really, really well. So you got Ellie De La Cruz, Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, all on the same field. It's going to be fun. Lots of young. The future is there. So that's a game if you really want to see the future of baseball, the biggest names, those three players are going to be carrying the league, along with some others. But those three guys are going to be at the top for years, all playing as rookies. I think that's a good series to watch, especially two teams that are now really in the race to make to the playoffs and see if they can do some damage when they get there. Yeah, I'm rolling a bit of a different direction here. I'm going with the Twins over at Truist Park in Atlanta. I think it's really exciting to see a it's exciting to see the NL or the AL Central go up against the NL East, two divisions that haven't played each other much lately, and then you have uh you know a good pitching matchup to start things off tomorrow or Tuesday rather, and that's Joe Ryan and Bryce Elder. Elder, who's been strong for the Braves, he's cooled off a bit as of late, but he still has great numbers. Joe Ryan, he's the ace of that twin staff and really the backbone, in my opinion. I think it should be a great matchup. I'm excited to see it. For me personally, I got to go with the Everything is Bigger in Texas series. The Astros traveling to take on the Texas Rangers, seeing a lot of good pitching in this series. Eovaldi, Valdez will be both pitching on this weekend set. I'm excited to see if the Astros can make up some ground on the Rangers. Five and a half games back in the West. The Rangers currently lead all of MLB with a plus 152 run differential. This is a team that coming into the year, we all thought was maybe a year or two away. They're proving us that their time is now. And doing so against the reigning World Series champions Astros would just be another feather in their cap this season. My weekly highlight, my, my weekly highlight game this week is maybe, you know, I not the best game I could have picked, but I'm excited to see the San Diego at Pittsburgh. You know, you got San Diego and a team that's kind of underperforming this year. And you got the Pirates who are way, way, way overperforming this year. I mean, they kind of cooled off and they've kind of been on a really long, you know, a really bad slide now, you know, the past, 
almost like you know month and the Padres done to come back. I mean, they have Tatis, Tatis is back, Machado's back playing. So I, I just think it'd be a cool. I think it'd just be a cool game to see if the you know Padres are still going to perform or if the Pirates are going to overperform again. I think it'd be a fun series to watch. All right, that's going to do it here. Keep checking out. The rankings are out. Just check us out, outsidersports.net. Twitter, outsidersports3. TikTok, YouTube, search outsidersports for some good stuff. Keep tuning in week to week. We're getting closer halfway through the season. So as we get going, we got the All-Star game to talk about, the Home Run Derby when those participants get announced. Plus, we're hitting the stretch. We're going to see a lot of teams fall off or get back on the wagon. So it's a lot of exciting baseball left to go. Keep tuning in week to week, hot out Tuesdays.